Thank you. you. may be seated. Good morning, Auditorium family. All right. Yeah, so good to be here with you. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, we are going to, on June 11th, save the date, June 11th from 4 to 7 p.m., we're going to be having another Auditorium family potluck at Kiwanis Park on North Main. Got a great playground there for the uh, kidlets, and we can hang out in the shelter houses there, do a little potluck dinner, and have some fellowship. We will use the foundry downstairs as our rain backup. If we need to move because of inclement weather, we'll go downstairs here. So, but either way, June 11th, 4 to 7, please uh, mark that on your calendars and plan to join us. Also, if you've been coming to the auditorium here, or maybe you're here for the first time this morning, and you're like going, man, I kind of love the atmosphere here. I'd kind of like to make this kind of where I worship every week, uh, or regularly anyway. We would just like to know who you are. Um, usually about once a month or so, I send out an email just advising everybody what's coming up, where are we at, where are we going, any announcements that we need to know as an auditorium family. So if you would just fill out one of these sheets that's on the back table there where the coffee is, there's a pen, you just fill it out, just leave it right there on the table, and we'll pick that up and get you on the list. This is a morning that we here at Third celebrate professions of faith uh, from our young people as well as adults who have come to faith. And what we do is kind of since we are a large church and we've got both the auditorium, we've got the sanctuary, we've got people all over the place, we uh, every year put together a little video, especially of our young people who have gone through the classes and been mentored and are making their profession of faith. So let's go ahead and take a look at that now. Oh, the bloopers are the best, aren't they? We're in, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into our scripture, which is going to be John chapter 11 today. But uh, first, let's just ask God to open our hearts and minds, if you will. And Heavenly Father, I do come before you right now in the name and through the shed blood of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus told us, Lord, that, that even those who see are sometimes blind, and even those who hear are sometimes deaf. So I pray that you would open the eyes of our spirit, you would open the ears of our spirit and our minds that we might receive your Holy Spirit's powerful word that is uh, beyond understanding, above all that we could ask or imagine. You told the prophet Jeremiah, call out to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable, unimaginable things that you do not know. And so I pray, Lord, for you to answer us this morning. Open our hearts, our spirits, our minds to receive things that come only from your spirit. Help us not to be blind and deaf even when we see and hear. And we will praise you, Lord, we will give you all of the glory, and we will continue to pray as you taught us to pray. And if you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Isn't it awesome to hear the young people using the same metaphors that we've been, been looking at and studying the last several weeks? We're in this series of the statements Jesus said, I am. And this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So we're going to go to John chapter 11. And before we start unpacking this, I just want to read it. If you would like a Bible, we have some in the back against the wall there. You're welcome to just get up. Right now, if you want, go grab one. It says, now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, that is, Lazarus, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. So mark that if you've got your Bible and your study Bible and taking notes. He stayed two more days. And then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea which was a problem because the religious leaders in Judea and in Jerusalem had a price on Jesus' head. So going back to Judea was a dangerous thing. Jesus was putting his own life on the line by going back to Jerusalem. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's Light, this world's light. But it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Interesting phrase there. But I am going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps... He'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of Lazarus' death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep because Jesus is always talking in what? Metaphors. And the disciples continued to not get it. All right. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, all right, well, Let's also go that we can die with him, I guess. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, gotta remember that in Jewish uh, tradition, you do not embalm the body and you always bury it before sundown on the day of death. And so that's why they use spices and anointments to go all over the body because it very quickly began to decompose and would begin to stink. So for four days, he died four days earlier, they put him in the, in the tomb, and now we're on the fourth day. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. These are the same Jews who the religious leaders are wanting Jesus' head. So Jesus has enemies among the crowd. 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask for. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she answered, well, yes, I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We are going back to the whiteboard one more time. Um, I have been in this series, this is my third message in the series. I did one in the sanctuary and one in here, so this is my third. And I've been using the whiteboard because I want us to understand that when Jesus gave these, these, these uh, titles to himself and took on the I am statements, he was not just talking in the moment, but he was channeling truths from God's word from beginning to end. So I've been trying to unpack this, and I get it, right? I, we are, this is like seminary level stuff that I'm trying to unpack with you. But here's what I believe. I believe that we, as the body of Christ, we as God's family, have to begin maturing in our understanding of God, of his word, and where we're going in this life and the next. Because the world desperately needs to see people who have been made alive in Christ behaving, thinking, relating, doing differently than people in this world. Right now, the church is under attack around the world. Christianity is under attack. Uh, the world is starting to chuck Christianity and start saying, yep, yep, world would have been much better off without Christianity ever. But world would be better without religion. And that's what's being preached in our schools of higher learning and across governments around the world. We live in a world that is under the dominion right now of the prince of this world and his minions. We are enemies to them. And the only difference that we are going to make in this world is if we truly begin to live for Christ, in Christ, that we every day, every believer, no matter where God has planted you, no matter where you work, no matter where you go to school, no matter what neighborhood you live in, no matter what circles of influence you have, we need everyone, every day, being Jesus to everyone you meet. Wendy and I, as we pray for you, regularly by name, we have been praying that the love and joy and peace of Christ would flow in and through you to everyone. So we need to understand what it means to live and die. So let's go back to the beginning here in Genesis chapter 3. In verse 16, 
Adam and Eve have bitten the apple, and God says, here's the judgment on both the serpent, Satan, and Adam and Eve. And when he gets to Adam, he says, guess what? From dust you were made, and to dust you will return, which means you are going to die, right? Now, we go back to Revelation 21, and it says that when we get to heaven, when we get to the end of the story, there will be no more sin, no more grief, no more death. No more death. We're going in the beginning of the story to death enters the equation to the end of the story where death is eradicated. So how do we get from here to there? And that's what the entire great story that God is telling is all about, okay? And so we need to understand how we deal in the story this way. All right. Let's think about death and life for a second. Uh, our daughter Taylor wrote a blog post several years ago, and uh, she's such a great writer. She's better than me. And she wrote this. There is a cassette tape I have. If you listen to this cassette tape, you will hear a recording of my birth. If you're wondering, yes, it does feel odd to listen to labor. <laughs> I am listening to my dad speak his first words to me. We're making introductions. My mind is blown as I imagine this. This moment before all moments to come. In this moment, the only thing my dad knows about me is that I'm seven pounds, eight ounces, and 21 inches long. The only thing I know about him is the sound of his voice. A voice I will grow to recognize instantly. A voice that I will always love to hear. In my tiniest form, I am not yet aware that this is the voice that will sing once upon a dream while he spins me in his arms and tosses me in the air before I land giggling on my mattress. Then he will pull out his guitar and sing Forever Young by Bob Dylan a million times. This is the voice that will whisper in my ear before the sun rises to wake me for a special breakfast. This is the voice that will make me feel safe. This is the voice that will read me epic adventures, stories out loud, character voices included. This is the voice that will make me cry when it's raised. This is the voice that will pray over me. This is the voice that will tell me I'm lovely, even when I have missing teeth, thick glasses, and bangs that are far too short. This is the voice that will ask me questions constantly. This is the voice that will make me laugh until my sides ache. The voice that will give wise advice when asked. The voice that will cheer me on through successes and failures. This is the voice that will appear in countless postcards and Bible margins and wax-sealed letters addressed to me. This is the voice I will trust. I will always love this voice. Isn't that beautiful? There's a Greek or a Hebrew word. And it's actually transliterated with an esh at the end. Chadosh is the Hebrew word. It's the word for holiness. 
And what Taylor is poking at there is that in both death and life are holy moments. What she's describing there in that moment of her birth is a holy moment. You know what I'm talking about, that moment when suddenly there's another life in the room. On March 13th, my dad and I and my sister were in the room at the cottages when my mother breathed her last breath. And it was very quiet. It was very simple. She'd been struggling for breath for so many days. She's like agonizing for breath. And then she'd stop breathing for like 40 seconds. My, my sister would time it. And we'd be like, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And then, oh, no, that's not it. And when she finally breathed her last, it was so soft and simple. And my dad said, I think she's gone. That's a holy moment when suddenly there is one less life in the room. So what we are talking about when we talk about death and life, very holy stuff. One of the things that I've been unpacking in the, the messages I've been giving in the I Am series is that this is like a timeline, right? We're on this timeline in the great story. And so death and life is a theme through the entire story. And in Deuteronomy, let me grab my, so Deuteronomy 30, 19. So this is kind of at the beginning. In the Exodus, God has just called his people out of Egypt and into slavery and he gives them the law. And he says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I'm setting before you death and life. Now, I want you to choose life. Death, and in fact, this gets repeated multiple times throughout the great story. Death or life, I want you to choose life. Well, here's what's really interesting because um, one of the cases that I made is that, like, I believe that from Genesis to Revelation, it's like one lifespan of humanity. God layers things with meaning. So I think we can look at the entire story from beginning to end, and it's like the lifetime of God's relationship with humanity here on earth. And at, in Deuteronomy, we're just in the toddler stage. And what we, we gave, we, he gives us the law. He gives these fledgling Human tribes, the law, and says, all right, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shall do this. And what do we do with toddlers? We say, no, 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 no. Yes, okay, but no, not that, but over here. No, you don't put your finger on the stove. Why? Because you could burn up, you could die. And when you're dealing with a three-year-old, your four-year-old, you're like going, look, I have to speak very simply and in black and white terms. But 
as we get older, we reach a point in our maturity that suddenly we can begin to understand things at a deeper level. So when Jesus comes at this point in history and lives on this earth to die, he is bringing with him new understanding because now humanity is old enough, mature enough to begin to understand the things of God at a whole new level. And as we move on in the story, that's why Paul said to the Corinthians, look, I gave you milk because at one point you were just a toddler in your faith. I want to give you solid meat, but you're still sucking on the bottle. It's time for you to grow up and begin understanding some things, which is one of the things that I'm trying to do in unpacking this, is help us to understand things at maybe a deeper spiritual level. So we need to understand this concept of death and life. So Jesus comes along, and let's take a look at the scripture here. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who, there we go, let me get this here. He who believes in me will live even though they die. You will live even though you die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What? All right, follow me here. Things are layered with meaning, aren't they? In this life, let's go back to, we talked about the Good Shepherd last week. If you haven't watched it, watch both Kevin and Darren's messages. So, the Good Shepherd, let's take Psalm 23, for example. Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd comes, and it goes down, and what does he say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They lead me through. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me as the shepherd takes me through this valley of the shadow of death, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We get to God's city and God's building and God's house. So here's the thing. Death, physical death, was part of the curse. Now, we walk through the valley, but even in the Psalms, he's saying, it's not just death, it's the shadow of death. So, stick with me here. Life, the life that we have in Christ, if you believe in him, and you receive him into your life, your life becomes more than just this earthly existence. 
In fact, let me go to Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles, go to Ephesians real quick. Chapter 2. As for you, Paul says, you were, you were dead in your transgressions. Past tense. You were dead in your transgressions in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, we just talked about that, and the spirit of all who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Get the page here. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And when I went back and talked about uh, the, the bread of life, we talked about that. Humanity, we follow the cravings of our flesh. That's really what sin is. Following these natural appetites out of control. So we gratify the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy and comes down, sends his son to die, uh, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, okay? Stick with me. So I'm alive in, in Christ. I am in him, he is in me. Even when we were dead in the transgressions, it is by grace, and what is grace? You didn't do anything about it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's simply because he loves you. And he raised us up in Christ, <laughs> this is great, in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Oh, this is gonna blow you away. You see, when you are one with Christ, your life is actually in Christ, in heaven, in eternity, right now. And in fact, we, again, it blows your mind. We don't even understand how this happens. But why do I constantly talk about these four levels? Where we've got, we've got this fourth level, this kingdom level, where God and Christ exist, where God is operating on this fourth kingdom of heaven level. And here we are, down in levels one through three, having a conversation with God and with my, um, my community, living in the kingdom of this world. What is that? This is the valley of the shadow of death. We walk in it every day. So I want you to understand that death, death is not just physical. Death is spiritual. It is emotional. It is mental. It is relational. As I watched my dad and our family, as my mother suffered from Alzheimer's for the last 10, 15 years. That was death. We experienced the death of my mother. We had to grieve the woman who died even though her body was alive. Some of us have been through the death of a marriage. You may have experienced the death of a dream. Anybody here have a broken dream? 
Anybody here have a desire in life that has never been fulfilled and you just feel the ache of it? Have you ever had a job that you loved and suddenly you find yourself fired or laid off? We suffer death all the time in this earthly journey. So when Jesus says, whoever believes in me lives even though they die. I think what he's talking about there is about the death that we experience all the time in this earthly journey. And Jesus himself said, unless a seed of wheat, what? Dies and is buried, it can't bear fruit. It can't spring up to new life. And he said, if anyone will come after me, they must take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me. So the death that we experience is right here, right now. Both in the grief we experience in going through this life, as well as in the death of our, our understanding that this is all that there is. The death of our understanding that, that somehow this life should be perfect and pleasurable and everything is about this life because it's not. Remember when Chad preached you know, years ago with the rope, you know, he's like talking about, hey, the rope is eternity and this little piece of tape, yep, that's, that's our timeline of our life. It is not about this earthly life. It is about eternity. So when Jesus says, if you, you will live even though he dies. And whoever lives in me, so if we live this earthly life, day by day, every day, everyone, being Jesus, trying to do what God has purposed me to do, they will never die. And I think what Jesus meant by that is, when you are one in Christ, death is an illusion. When I read Imagine Heaven by John Burke, it was so transformational to me of reading about people's experience of dying, physically dying, going to heaven, and then coming back. And one of the things repeatedly that these people have had near-death experiences experience is they raise out of their bodies and they hover in the room. And in fact, there was a story, one of the ladies' stories, she was physically blind. She could not see physically. She died, she went up, and she's hovering over it as they're trying to revive her and resuscitate her. They did a couple of times, so she's in the room. When she came back and they interviewed her, she could tell them every piece of equipment that was in the room. She could say, in this drawer, you pulled it out, and this is what was in that drawer. And this is what you were saying when you were trying to re revive me. She was physically dead, and she couldn't see. One of the things, experiences they have is people who've gone to heaven and come back, they say, I have absolutely detailed recall of everything that happened to me. Isn't that awesome? So when my mom passed away, we're sitting there in the moment, she had this little breath, and my dad goes, I think she's gone. My sister and I got up on the side of the bed and leaned over and kissed her. And then I looked up at the ceiling. 
And I said, Mom, <laughs> Mom, yes, if you can hear me, go, go, get out of here. It's okay. We will see you later. Just go, be with Lord. Now, I hope someday when we're reunited in heaven that we get to have a laugh about that. I really do. Because I, don't, I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that our understanding of what's really real and what we think is real is completely opposite. So what does that mean? Well, it means that there's a reason why there's a reason why the things that we've studied in the last couple of years, like exile, like James 1, 2 through 3, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, death-like trials, knowing that the building of your faith produces endurance and pure perseverance so that you may be mature and complete <laughs> Lacking in nothing. He wants us to grow up in our understanding. And growing up as a follower of Christ means that my life is not that important. In fact, Galatians 2.20. What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live but it is Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. And when Jesus, in John chapter 21, at the end, Jesus resurrected, and now he's getting ready to ascend, and he goes to Peter, and he says, Peter, tell you what, when you were young, you got to do whatever you wanted. You could go everywhere, because over here, yep, yep, you just decide everything for yourself. You have your own thoughts, you have your own desires, you go where you want to go, you do what you want to do, you make all your choices in life. But when you are older, you are going to stretch out your arms, and some people that you don't want to follow are going to take you where you do not want to go, and they're going to crucify you the same way they did me. What? What? This is what I get for following Jesus? Being crucified? Uh-huh. Because as Paul put it, these light, momentary afflictions are building for me an unbelievable, unimaginable weight of glory when I'm one with him. So here's where I want us to end today. First of all, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have never said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you. I'm going to follow you. I want to live, not just in heaven, I want to live today, then I would just encourage you to pray 
as we spend some time in worship this morning. I'm going to ask our trio of worship leaders to come on up. And I'll encourage you to pray. And if you don't know what to pray, then we've got prayer ministers that are going to be standing right over here. And they'll be happy to lead you in that prayer. Or you can come and see me afterwards. Be happy to do that and lead you in that prayer. Second, if you right now are going through something that is death-like, you are experiencing some kind of grief and death, then I want to encourage you this morning to spend some time embracing what you are going through. Not running from it, embracing it. Consider it joy. Rejoice when you encounter all manner of trials and tribulations. Even Peter said that in chapter one, verses six and seven of 1 Peter. Rejoice, be glad when you experience something death-like. So will you take some time this morning to just ask God for the grace to embrace it and to, and to help you get out of it what he's trying to do in growing you up. Our daughter Madison has been struggling for a long time with her job. She's got a boss that she's really frustrated with. She's tried to, she tried to get out of it. She's tried to apply for so many jobs every week. Like, I'm gonna apply for this job. And Wendy and I are just sitting there going, she's not gonna get any of these jobs because God has something for her to learn right where she's at, dealing with this boss that she hates. And I even told her that. I said, Madison, I, mom and I really feel like you're in this for a reason. She's like, well, I sure wish she'd hurry up and teach me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got to embrace it. And it's been fun to watch God building in her things that she needs. Yeah, and finally, for those of you who are for those of you who know Christ and you followed him, but you're still at this toddler stage of understanding, I still see God as this black and white rule maker, and I'm just trying to do the right thing so I can get to heaven, I would ask you to pray that God would open the eyes and ears of your heart and your spirit to understand that everything that I think is real is just the shadow of death. And that which I cannot see is more real than I've ever imagined. 